I am so excited to have Christina Luna on today's pod. If you haven't followed her, if you haven't come across her yet, you've got to get in to Christina's Monday Meet. You all know that I love following energy, but I can't read astrology. So I rely on people like Christina sharing their gems, sharing the good juju. Well, sometimes it's not good juju, but sharing the knowledge of what's going on in the stars so that I can navigate my life and help you guys navigate the energy that's around. So Christina is an astrological mentor. She's going to explain to us what that actually means, how that shows up. And she is all about using her skill set to mentor people, to help them navigate this energy. So Christina, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you inviting me so much. Thank you. Ah, no problem. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about being an astrological mentor. And I know that your journey wasn't straightforward and that you've had many twists and turns. So what brought you here today? What brought me here today? Well, for the last few years, every single time someone asks me to speak in any way, shape or form, I always say yes. It is a it's a default setting in my system. So um, I got the privilege of meeting you through a group that you're a part of. The person that leads that group asked me to speak to that group. I said yes. And here we are. We're, we're connecting. We're joining in community. And so I, I'm actually an astrological mentor to the person that leads the group that you met me through. And I've been doing mentorship in this way for the last two years. And it took, it did take me some time to understand the depth of this type of mentorship. And here we are. I was having a freak out last week because like I said, I don't read astrology, but I use it to help me navigate my own life as well as my client's life. And what I found over the last two years of working with breath work um, and helping people with breath work is that we tend to be going through the same things at the same time. And in your Telegram channel, the thing that really appealed to me um, about how you read astrology was that you talk about the collective and you talk about how everybody's moving through the same things. And it's such a departure from what we understand as traditional astrology, where you have to just read your sun sign, like let alone people don't even understand about risings. So I was freaking out about Mars. We have a lot of Mars activity coming along. And as someone who's a little bit um, risk averse, the thought of the God of War <laughs> running the show at the end of the year was uh, just sending me to a place of like, wait, how can I do more research? How can I find out about this? How can I prepare? And when I hit you up, you were like, this is the preparation time. And I was like, she's my person. I need to talk to Christina about what's happening here. Do you want to just tell us about what the energies are for the rest of the year? And then we can get deep into like specific situations or how this opens us up. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up that Mars is this archetype of the god of war. <laughs> and I have to say, there are some archetypal overlays, projections that we put onto the energies of the planets. And through my journey, I have established a personal relationship with Mars. And my personal relationship with Mars is very different from the archetypal 
historical projection we've had of Mars. So when you asked me about Mars and you told me, oh, he's, Mars is doing some things this year, I reflected, I reflected on well, what has Mars brought us to so far? Ooh. First of all, it is okay sometimes to freak out. <laughs> I actually think that freaking out is a sign that we're ready to open up to learning something new. And so I appreciate that that was what drew us into this conversation. Mars changed signs in this week. So another thing you might have been feeling was that the, the temple change has, it has happened. So what does it mean? What is Mars? Why are we talking about it? What is a temple shift? Basically, each planet represents something inside of our conscious or subconscious. It is a internal representation of part of our psychology. So the part that Mars represents is actually the masculine principle within us. And the masculine principle within us is the part that is associated with things like action, things like discipline. Things like follow through. Even if you take what you said about Mars being the god of war, if you actually really stepped into just that label, Mars is the energy that is willing to fight for something. Oh, I like that reframe. <laughs> yes, like Mars is completely in a devotion to something that it is willing to step every single day into, is willing to go to the front lines in our lives for, is willing to conquer the little whining animals and hyenas of self-doubt of, of the stories that would limit us. Like if Mars is going to war in our psyche, it goes to war against the things that would take power over us stifle our growth. So we're all about to get really brave. We're about to get so brave. And <laughs> Mars is just one character that's promoting this bravery. Now, these planets go retrograde periodically. And Mars recently went through a really long retrograde in the sign of Gemini. So we actually went through a massive reconstruction of the types of ideas and stories that we're willing to step up for. So we went through this reframe at the beginning of this year. We stepped into March, April, May. We stepped into this year with new courage around changing our story. Oh my God, I feel like I have to like write that down, make some notes, give, give everybody some journal prompts. I hadn't actually pieced, like I said, I don't read astrology in the same way. So I hadn't pieced that together. So there's a cycle coming maybe, or like a, a tying up of a bow that was undone in January and you've got both of the pieces and it's going to come together this end of year. So uh, it, it's starting to come together right now. So we have Mars, which is the, that principle I just spoke about, but we also have Venus. We, we have many more. We have so many pieces, but I want to talk just about these two pieces that people talk about a lot. People talk about Mars and Venus and Venus is just completing her retrograde cycle. She's completed at the beginning of September and through the fall season, she is helping us to become even more receptive to what our heart truly desires. 
Venus rules all things that we deeply long for. And in many ways, Mars is a servant to her. Our internal Mars steps up, will go to war for the things that Venus truly longs for. So we have had this massive reconstruction of the heart over the summer, getting back in touch with the things that mean the most to us. Why are we alive? Why do we even care? Why would we even show up? Why would we say yes when we're invited to speak? Why would we why would we go through the effort? It's not necessarily for vanity ever. There's always some deeper, deeper, deeper issue here. It's about things that are actually deeply personal to each person. Everyone gets to define their own relationship to their Venus in the heart. Everyone gets to redefine their own relationship to Mars in what they will step up for, show up for, be consistent for. Well, so let me ask you, because I've heard you talk about this before, but you talk about recipes, about how astrology is everyone's personal recipe. And hearing you describe Mars being a servant to Venus and everyone's personal Venus, like what's in your heart. This is so close to what I do day today, but I've just never heard it so beautifully expressed alongside astrology. So tell me about astrology recipes. Like tell me about like that part of your teaching and how that will play out this year as well. Beautiful. Thank you for asking me that. So every single person is born at a very unique moment. Even if you're there's a person born at the exact same time with you in the same hospital, you're still a few degrees away from each other. And you may have very similar life paths. You would, it, it would serve as all to find that person if that actually did happen. <laughs> but there are very beautiful and unique things about the moment we were born. Essentially, that first breath imprints upon us a sort of, I'm going to use the word matrix, but not in the way that we're um, conditioned to feel about the word matrix. A matrix is simply a, if you've ever done any weaving, the matrix is the lines through which you weave the fabric through or the string through. It is the thing that if you've ever made rock salt or rock candy, you put that string into a solution and the crystals grow on the string. Without the string, the crystals do not have a form in which to grow upon. And so the moment we're born is actually this structure that we grow the crystals of our life experience upon. And from the moment we're born, we're immediately introduced to a changing environmental landscape, a changing psychological landscape. And that changes at different rates. So the moon will change very, very quickly. The sun changes about one degree a day. Mercury changes also pretty quickly. And then you move all the way out to Pluto. Pluto is the slowest. And so we have this sort of clock that begins moving, this framework that begins moving that we go into relationship with. And there are milestones within the movement of the external world. And those milestones hit, oftentimes we feel the ones that hit at a seven year increment. There's a certain planet that has about a 28 year cycle, Saturn. 
So we feel the checkpoints of Saturn when we're seven, when we're 14, when we're 21, when we're 28. These are the easiest ones for us to really do an inventory around. But our personal recipe in relationship with the external world shapes the way we experience the external world and the way we relate to our personal recipe. There's actually moments when we start to really pay attention. We hit a milestone where learning how to be the most congruent version of ourselves becomes the most important thing. And we hit that checkpoint in our late 30s, sometimes a little sooner, but by the time we hit 42, we're ready. Like, no, enough of this. I must be my most congruent self. And you could call this um, like a midlife checkpoint. But this is the moment when we realize my relationships are not completely congruent with who I am. We realize the work I'm doing in the world it needs to step up. This is not exactly what my soul was longing to bring to the world. So all of these questions and all of this like freak out actually encourages us to get more in touch with what our recipe actually is. And astrology does give us a map for that recipe energetically. Oh, I love that you're talking about it energetically, a, a map for our recipe energetically. Can you talk more about why moving with the energy is important you actually said earlier like um you talk about that first first breath and that things are happening that moment that we were born and for me I was like thinking yeah it's the frequency of the planets and that they sort of imprint what the lessons are that we are here to learn so I guess what I'm trying to ask you is energetic themes that come up repeatedly for someone and then I didn't realize that 42 was like a significant year for the growth period what's happening then energetically at 42 other than the fact that you're like this is the time that I need to feel congruent is the word that you used tell us more about 42 and the energy <laughs> so about 42 is when we have something called our Uranus opposition oh <gasps> Basically, all that means is there was a atmosphere that you were born into when you were born, uh, where Uranus was. Uranus was in a specific space. And before I even go into this, I think it's important to talk about what I mean by energetically. Why? Because there's a clarification I want to make. The planets are not actually doing anything to us. They're like signposts saying that this is a season for this energy. So there's not actually a uh, like laser beam coming down from Saturn or Uranus making anything happen. It is more, uh, for instance, when you see the first leaves sprouting on the trees in spring, that's a indicator that there's enough warmth and light for that to happen, for that phenomenon to happen. And the planets are similar signposts. They're like, okay, when this planet is in the sky at this moment, that's a signpost that says there's enough energy, light, dark. There's enough uh, of this certain certain nutrients on the planet, certain environmental influences on the planet for this to be happening psychologically right now. It's all based on the experience of living on this planet. This planet has 
very obvious rhythms and cycles. We have the cycle of night and day. We have the cycle of the four seasons. We feel the change. So when the sun is in Leo, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you're probably going to be wearing shorts or sundresses. Now, the, the sun in Leo, for instance, is not the thing that's making us wear sundresses in the summertime. The sun being in Leo is an indication that we're in something called summer. And summer impacts us psychologically in very numerous ways. There's more light. Yeah. We have, we are sleeping a little bit less. We have more energy to be out and public and social. So it's not the energy of Leo that's making us out in public and social. It is the fact that there's so much warmth provided and so much daylight provided. That is what creates the, the psychological state of Leo. So if a child is born in the month of August under the sign of Leo, they're born into an environment where everyone around them is experiencing the extroversion of that moment in time. So that just coming into an environment when you're such a sponge, you can look at early childhood development between the ages of one and two you identify 100% with the psychological, emotional environment of your mother, father, family, house, weather, everything. That's your identity. So the reason why we often identify with our sun sign is because we, when we emerge into the world and the sun is in a certain place, we become identified with that environment right off the bat. So I love that. And I've got a question for you. And we are going to come back to Uranus opposition because I must hear all about this and everybody wants to hear about okay. this. But I, I've got a question. So for those that don't know at home and we'll have to find a way of linking in how you read your natal chart, but there's your sun sign, which is what um, Christina just explained. There's your rising sign and your moon sign. And now modern astrology or current astrology really like encourages you to read your rising. So could you talk to us about the energy between your sun sign and your rising sign and like why it's not better, but why it's perhaps more accurate to read your rising sign? Absolutely. Sometimes it takes me a minute to unpack an entire concept, but I will do my best to be succinct. <laughs> so when we were using astrology for the first times to read the charts of kings and queens hundreds of years ago, we would look at the moment that king or queen was born and we would look to the eastern horizon line to see what was rising on the east. And they believed that what was rising on the east would sort of dictate what the reign of that king or queen would be for their kingdom. So that was a long time ago. Astrology is very old. We've used it as like how they came to that understanding through years and years and generations of study. They like, I know that sometimes astrology can be paired up with something that's like pseudoscience, but it really was the very first science. And it was through a lot of observational study. So Today, we can look at our rising sign to see what the reign or the overview of our life 
will feel like in this lifetime. And that's the energy that was rising. If someone got a telescope out the moment you were born and they looked over on the Eastern horizon to see what planets or what, what Zodiac, what, what constellation was rising, this would give us a certain, a certain psychological imprint because it would then define how the 12 areas of life are flavored for that person's recipe. So the rising sign is actually the indication of it's the the jumping off point of your personal recipe. It frames the way you relate to 12 different parts of your life. When I do blueprint readings for people, I say it's sort of like the movie poster for the epic drama of the life that you're about to live. And if you know what your rising sign is, you'll also know what your descending sign is or what your midheaven is, because these are 12 different parts. So for instance, if my rising sign is Sagittarius, then I know that my my carrot in the sky, my motivation, my, my midheaven is going to be Virgo Libra. It's going to be somewhere around the Virgo Libra axis. And I know that my descendant is going to be the opposite of Sagittarius, it's going to be Gemini. So I can understand that the way I enter into relationships is going to be through sharing stories and information and talking and, and getting to know each other through the verbal skills. So if you know what your rising sign is, you sort of begin to understand what your personal recipe is. So what this has broken down and I would say I spend quite a lot of time looking at this stuff, but this has broken it down for me and made it so much more digestible, which is absolutely a pun with the word recipe. And for me, I felt like astrology was talking in patterns and I was trying to follow the pattern. But what you're actually saying is it's not a pattern. It's a, it, it, it's a recipe. It could be actually really precise if you just learn the language, you learn the the skill, like a chef would learn how to make a souffle or the, you know, how to even just basic stuff for me. Like I cannot, what, hold on. When you make the egg for like eggs Benedict and you have to put it in the boiling water, that's never going to happen for me. What's that even called? I can't remember. Poached, poached egg. Poached. It's never going to (laughs) happen. The whole thing disintegrates. But what you're saying is it is, understanding what was happening at the time of your birth is the framework for how you're going to experience life. And that's, that is actually what the recipe is. And it's super simple if you just follow the recipe and everybody's recipe is slightly different, which is why it's even more important to pay attention to, you know, your pinch of salt is somebody else's like solid pour. That's right. And it affects how you taste your life. Absolutely. For instance, today, as we're recording, the moon is in Aries. Now you experience the energy of Aries in a completely different location than I experience the energy of Aries. And if I was completely in alignment with my recipe, I would not have taken my daughter to school today, which was a serious struggle. (laughs) I would not have been driving around which I got pulled over by a police officer this morning for driving around. (laughs) I would be, I would keep my little girl at home and we'd be cuddling, watching movies together. If I was completely honoring 
my personal recipe. And I, I didn't because I'm still living in a world with an external structure of school and commitments. This is the rub, right? We have a personal recipe. And when our recipe doesn't necessarily align with what the collective is encouraging us to align with and this is a this is an evolutionary alignment like i'm in the process of fine-tuning my life so much that when the moon is in aries and i want to keep my daughter home from school i can and i'm not there yet this is the work and i use work as the it's one of my favorite words i love the word work not everyone does but my my relationship with work is it's the fine-tuning i get to do every single day to bring myself into the most congruent state that I could possibly be in. So the specificity of our recipes, it's specific down to the hour, down to the moment. There are 360 degrees in this circle of experience that we have. And every single degree is another flavor or another spice to our recipe. And we are in relationship with that every single moment, whether it's through the moon's movement through the degrees or the sun's movement or all the other planets. That's what the mentorship that I do with people is. I actually have people meeting with me every single week and we look at, okay, this day would be the best day for you to stay in, reflect, let yourself be receptive, let yourself create from a receptive space. And the next day is going to be a day where showing up and speaking and being out in the world will be the most aligned for you. This, this is how specific it could be. So let me ask you to that, because I completely believe in moving with the energy of what's already there. I specifically watch my husband, who's still very much in the music industry, when a Mercury retrograde or one of the other retrogrades are happening and just watching the chaos in like, in the normal world where people are not paying attention to the energies because we have an idea that our sense of self is greater or that this, this is just woo woo stuff on the side. So I completely believe in what you're saying. But to those that are are a little bit more skeptical, what would you say, one, to them, and two, is there a way of like quickly testing out why they should do this? Like, is there a, like a planetary alignment where it's like, yeah, you're going to feel this whether you like it or not? I mean, always when people start working with me, the first full moon after like a full month of doing breath work, they feel like they're like, this full moon energy is really hectic for me. And they can be pretty skeptical, normal people. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, the people that are skeptical or they're still testing their relationship with this. Yeah, they're curious, but they're like, it does this. Is this like, I know it's something in my gut tells me this is right, but I need proof. Okay. So they've already had some experiences where the synchronicities have lined up. They've already, they're already a little suspicious, but maybe there's something to it. And it does take a certain level of receptivity in order to begin aligning. So that let's be clear. If you're completely abstinent to any of this, it's okay. (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not in the space of convincing any, anything like that. But for those that are a little interested, I suggest starting the exact same way I did when when I first started tracking this, I felt like I was 
all over the place. One day I'm super like making messes and I'm leaving piles of stuff and I'm not doing the dishes. And then the very next couple days later, I'm suddenly like all the laundry, I'm super business, I'm getting it all done. Like, and, and then a couple days after that, all I want to do is socialize. And I was like, who am I? Why am I? I I thought I was a flake. I thought I was crazy. I did not understand why I felt so different from day to day. So what I started doing is I started tracking the way I felt. I just started journaling and I I actually, I have so many journals. (laughs) I have one of the journals that I first started with right here. I started just writing down today. I felt a little manic today. I felt really sad and I was tracking how I was feeling from day to day. And I did this for a few weeks before I actually started associating it with these cycles. In fact, that is a whole other story. The way I started tying it together, whole other story. But I had some records before I found the astrology. I had some written documentation. Then when I looked at the astrology of where the moon was on those days, and it corresponded to how I already felt, how I'd already written down, I was not thinking, I wasn't looking at the astrology first and then responding to the astrology. I was just writing down the raw evidence of my life and then finding the correspondence after. That is the way I suggest people who are tentatively approaching astrology to approach. Just, all right, then research yourself. I actually have a course called Study Yourself, Learn Astrology. It is a self-paced digital course, but I suggest that it takes three months because if you tracked your own emotions for three months, three full moon cycles, and you paid attention to the astrological alignments, it's irreconcilable proof. There you go. You will have no doubt whatsoever if you actually tracked yourself every single day and then put the correspondence to the astrology. So I'm going to ask you another question about the moon because I only found out maybe a year ago that the moon um, travels through a sign every two and a half to three days. And I also only found out even more recently, maybe at the beginning of the summer or the beginning of spring, that the moon goes void of course. And when things are void of course, like that's when I started to really pay attention. I was like, damn, things really do go amiss. People are more heated in those void of course moments. Like don't plan anything particularly big. And then I started reading about all of these things that happened when the moon was void, of course. And I was like, that thing in the sky is so powerful. (laughs) We must pay attention to it. When you're new to this, but you're excited by it, it does blow your mind to sort of understand how incredible and intelligent the universe actually is that you can go through all 12 signs in a month, that you go a full cycle, that everything is sort of beautifully making sense and you're not even looking at it. Do you want to just talk a little bit about the moon and how it moves? Sure. Yeah. Uh, some, in some of the circles I'm in, people have strange relationships with the moon, um, but I'm going to just relate to it. My last name is Luna. I have a moon day meetup. I mean, apparently the moon is an important figure in my life. <laughs> on one side, the moon does affect the water on the planet. That is proven. It's true. You can see that it affects the tides. There's a 
planetary body that has a magnetic influence on the water. And we know that from statistics, there's actually an occurrence of things that happen on the full moon. You can see it in hospitals, police officers will report. It is just a well-known fact. Now, why is the moon actually a gift? The moon is a gift because it reminds us that we're a part of circular cycles, that life is not linear, that we are moving through circle, 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 after circle, after circle. And every single moon cycle gives us a chance to be in touch with that rhythm. And that rhythm repeats every single month, even if it has a special different flavor. Each month is a different flavor because the sun is in a different space, but the moon continuously moves us through this cycle. And what I like to share is if the moon rules the water and our emotional self, it rules the way we relate to the way we feel on the inside. It is the thing that's most personal to us. Uh, in ancient astrology, they considered the moon, since it's the closest to the earth and it's um, in rhythm with the earth, it is the one that reveals to us our inner nature. And so by paying attention to the moon's movements and by paying attention to the way we feel, asking those questions, we actually can establish a better relationship with ourselves. And what what else gives us this opportunity? What else can we align to that's constant, that's consistent, that's always cycling? I mean, most of the world is just so evolving and changing. There are few things as consistently cycling as the, the moon is that we can actually observe ourselves. It's personal. So creating a personal relationship with the moon is akin to creating a personal relationship with our own emotions. Oh, I love that. It's so concise and that's exactly what it is. And as you explained just moments ago, when you're not paying attention to this like literal guide in the sky, your emotions are running the show and anyone that's going through any kind of healing knows that you really love your emotions but there are times in your life where they just should not be the driving force behind your decisions or your actions. <laughs> so, Well, you know, I feel like our, our emotions are not the problem. Our emotions are so natural and beautiful. They are these completely unbridled experiences. That's what emotions could be. The problem is we start to have beliefs about our emotions and we started creating those beliefs about our emotions when we were really young and we weren't fully developed in our prefrontal cortex and we didn't necessarily have the mindset to have compassion for our emotions. We allowed external factors to tell us what emotions are okay and what aren't. And so the beliefs we have in our relationship, that's why I said our relationship with our emotions is what we get to work on with the moon. Our relationship is something between the way we think, the way we judge, the way we observe, and the actual way we really feel. And so 
It's the neurosis that comes when we think that we are flakes. Like I can just say a few of the things I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so wishy-washy. I'm such a flake. Sometimes I'm totally irrational and sometimes I'm super dialed in and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know why I can't just be rational and happy all the time. What am I doing wrong? And there's what I discovered. I'm not doing anything wrong. What I'm doing wrong is thinking that I'm supposed to be consistently the same. And if I do everything right, I get to be all the things I want to be and none of the things I don't want to be. So this is a perfect segue into me asking you about your personal mixtape what tracks that you've had on repeat and you've basically told me you've moved from like I'm a flake and you've used your recipe to reframe empower yourself but what what would you say your inner anthem is (laughs) now like what's and if you want to link it to planets like let's have a mixtape that's fully aligned with the stars and (laughs) volume one go for it tell me about your what's on your mixtape there's a phrase that landed with me in 2018 and that's related to Uranus actually which we will get back to the phrase that I have is I feel here now I feel here now it is um it's emotional to even say that because it gives me a space I it gives my feelings a space feel it gives presence a space here and it gives the clarity of bringing all of that together now I want to listen to that mixtape I mean I do actually listen to that mixtape I'm on your telegram channel I literally get the notifications on my phone and now I understand the context (laughs) of that wow I need to take my own deep breath like that's super powerful so you're that's the era that you're in yeah the reason I'm in this era is because, oh, I'm going to go in a little bit of a strange space right now. No, we like strange. Please okay. go there. <laughs> so what I understand is we have the capacity to time travel, time travel in quotation. So the reason I know we, ha- we do this, it's not to escape the present moment, but every present moment yep. that we're fully present in that we're fully open to we actually get to visit that moment like it's a library book and I want you to imagine just there's probably three memories that you had from your past like anyone who's had a child can usually time travel to the moment the baby was slapped on your belly or if you had a car accident and you had that slow motion spin out, you could probably drop into that moment as if you're there right now. There are present, very, very, very rich present moments that we've had throughout every single timeline. And those moments are living library books. They are that that is what we are. We're a walking, talking, living library. And the richness of future moments comes from the richness of all the present moments we have completely received. 
And I, I'm doing this, like, I see it as like, drink, we drank it all the way in. We completely received it. So the richness, as I'm watching my daughter walk down the aisle and some future moment, if she decides to marry, I'll have the richness of the moment that she is plopped onto my belly when she was first born, in addition to the moment of her walking down the aisle. That creates this dynamic current moment that is so deeply felt and it's it compounds and compounds and compounds and I actually believe that's what we're here to do we're here to experience so much richness when I discovered that we were time travelers and that the richness of our current moments in encouraged even more richness I just wanted it like became a mission like so then I want to feel everything I want to receive it all. So let me bring myself back every time I every time I possibly can. I just want to take a moment to reflect actually on the the last part which is I want that you said I want to feel everything because I think in this day and age feeling everything feels scary and threatening for people. But uh, I'd say that my life has opened up since I slowed down and even though it's been quite painful at times to revisit experiences I had that I didn't want to deal with at the time but experiencing everything the full spectrum of being human has created such a richness in my life I almost feel like that's like the recipe that you're talking about like you can't live fully until you've had the the sad and the bad and the good and the great like it's all part of like the temperature and the skill to create that recipe and how you inform the 12 sections. And and I think actually a lot of people who listen to this episode will completely relate to what you're saying about time traveling, quantum meditation. There are so many ways to experience, to, to feel the experience of living. But I love how you've described it as like a living library book. So you've, I'm going to send you a couple of things that I've taught recently where I use the library analogy all the time and it just speaks to why like I wanted you here today um Christina and I don't spend enough time together I do follow her telegram and I do watch what she's saying but I didn't realize until we spent some time together today just how much our our language and experience although completely different circumstances are so in tune and that's why I think like when you're like oh I'm gonna go somewhere a bit weird it's like no I think everybody on here is right there with you (laughs) and is excited that you're giving words to things that they feel and giving a framework for them to understand it in so to wrap things up today let's just go back to Uranus's opposition (laughs) (laughs) since Uranus is in retrograde as well and by the time this podcast comes Mm. out we'll be marching along in its retrograde let's time travel to that moment then (laughs) (laughs) so when Uranus sends us messages it sends sends a message that is this part of your life needs to be dramatically revolutionized. You need to wake up. And it doesn't care if it's comfortable and it doesn't care if it disrupts everything that you, all your best laid plans. What it deeply wants is for you to bring your gift to the world in a meaningful way that will not only impact 
your life, but every single life that you're sharing the planet with. And so we, the way that they understood this is Uranus actually, when they first found Uranus, they discovered that most of the people that brought really massive works to the world, they were having their Uranus opposition. They were, they were at this milestone and then they brought these works to the world that were just, they changed everything. They changed, it was, some of them were imprisoned for it. Some of them died for it, but it, it's not necessarily for the comfort of the person having the initiation, but it is for the evolution of the soul and the souls of the world that they're, that they're alive in. So this is, this is the gift that Uranus brings us. And Uranus right now is in Taurus, which means that it's trying to encourage every single person to revolutionize their relationship with being on the planet, with money, with resources, with tangible, with their body, with the literal body that they've come into, revolutionize that, which is why we're seeing some of the things we're seeing in our culture right now. Yeah, I was going to say that. I I don't know where it is in my notes, but I've heard you talk about this before, that people are looking for leaders. And it's about stepping into your own uh, sense of leadership and how you show up as a leader. And for people listening, I don't specify that everyone here needs to be an executive or anything like that. Like, it's about everyone finding how they lead how and and it can just be leading yourself like being in your own people don't love the word authenticity anymore but being in your own integrity and i think having integrity in this day and age super difficult so i want to say that if you're approaching 42 and you are like damn i'm ready i am ready to be my own leader and step into my power then you should mm-hmm. talk to christina about having an astrological mentor and mapping your week and mapping this time between now and 42 and achieving something great for yourself and for the planet because wow doesn't this planet need some incredible leaders right now if you're not approaching 42 and you're like i just want to be part of this i want to get to know christina more tell everyone how they can get involved in your monday meetup please go to my website it's lunation.live everything is there. (laughs) My moon day meetup is every Monday at 10 Pacific. I have several other really interesting things that I send out. I do a lot of my work in the world just as a service to the world. So there's a lot of free resources. There are some deeper, more intimate things that I can do with people, but my website's the place to go. And of course, I'm also on Instagram uh, where I keep things really up to date. And that's also at lunation.live. Amazing. So we'll drop both of those links into the show notes. And Christina, is there anything else that you want to leave us with today? Just remember that every astrological moment is like a ripening fruit. And we each have a recipe for how quickly we like to pull that fruit off the tree. Sometimes we like to wait for it to fully ripen. Sometimes we like to wait for the fruit to fall off. But even if you feel that somehow you've left fruit on the tree and you haven't fully devoured it, the tree will always bear more fruit. It's always a good time to to 
get in touch with the fruit. So not, astrology never leaves us behind. There's not a sensation of, well, it's too late for me. There's always more fruit and there's always so much more richness that we can take part in. Oh, I love this and I've loved having you on here today. I hope that you come back and share more about what's going on in the skies and how we can live a little bit truer to ourselves. Thank you for being on here today, Christina. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure and honor. Thank you so much, Daisy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that this episode has left you feeling inspired and a little bit more seen. Your life, after all, is a mixtape. And once you learn to play the tracks you want to hear and adjust that volume, you will have the soundtrack of your dreams. To stay connected and continue exploring the mixtape together, you can follow me on Instagram at Spiritual Mixtape. But also, if you have any thoughts for me, any questions or any ideas that you want to share, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at hello at spiritualmixtape.com. So until then, my friends, let your inner anthem guide your path.